Hi, it's David here. Thank you for listening to the Leader Coronavirus Daily. And please do tell other people about it. Tweet about it, put it on Facebook, share it on social media through your podcast provider. And give us a rating too, if you can. That helps us a lot to grow the show. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsden. Could you imagine the South Bank without the Globe Theatre? I mean, you're not going to knock it down. What does it become? It becomes a naff novelty wedding venue. That's not all right. (laughs) We can't let that happen. Our arts editor Nancy Durrant says the landmark warns the pandemic lockdown has put it perilously close to permanent closure. And... So, you know, as long as, you know, for example, the Greek authorities are happy with our our rate, then yes, it would allow holidaymakers this summer to potentially go to Greece as long as the airlines are flying. Chairman of the Commons Transport Select Committee, Hugh Merriman, and how summer could be saved with some international holidays and even, just maybe, a few pubs open. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what's really lost if the Globe Theatre goes? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Standing on the South Bank, the Globe Theatre is one of London's most iconic landmarks, as well as being an international cultural giant. And now it's under very real threat. It says the coronavirus pandemic has left it critically vulnerable and it urgently needs £5 million just to keep running. Our editorial column says it is worth saving. The horrible truth is that in London's theatres, there are no plays now. There may be no plays for the rest of the year. And in some, there may never be plays again. The Globe Theatre, which has kept up high artistic standards, while drawing in audiences from all over the world, has not qualified for Arts Council England help. London without the Globe would be a less joyous city, The story of its reconstruction is one of the miracles over the last few decades. Adversity will produce inspiration. Plays can be performed outdoors, online, perhaps even in drive-in venues. A city full of actors, directors and technicians will find a way to keep performing. For most, it's never been about the money anyway. 
Let's hope the globe lasts, so it can prove that Shakespeare at the end of The Tempest was not telling of a dark future when he wrote, Our revels are now ended. These our actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits, and are melted into air, into thin air. The Evening Standards Arts editor Nancy Dunnan joins me over Zoom. And Nancy, the situation faced by the globe truly does appear dire, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it is in dire straits and people are always very surprised to discover that the globe does not get a penny of public funding. I mean, it looks like a publicly funded organisation. It does a lot of education work. It does lots of community work. You know, they only take interns from their local area, from Southwark, things like that. You know, they're very much on that sort of side of things. When you come into Heathrow, it's on the walls. It's, you know, it's part of the cultural fabric of London in a way that very few theatres could really say that they are. I mean, even the National Theatre, I think, is not necessarily, doesn't have that sort of sexy historical magic that the Globe has got. But at the end of the day, all their money comes from visitors. Yeah, it is a landmark in London. It's actually not our oldest theatre by quite some distance. It's actually a, a, <laughs> fa- <laughs> it's a fairly new theatre. But could, could you imagine the South Bank without it? Well, no. I mean, this is something I was going to say. It's an amazing looking thing. I think people are just so excited to see it. It's got that sort of kind of intangible whiff of history about it, even though it is absolutely brand new and handmade by contemporary people who are definitely still alive but it you know the thing is it with performances the globe is a is a place of magic essentially it it is a place where sorcery can in fact be achieved without performances though I mean you're not going to knock it down what does it become it becomes a naff novelty wedding venue I mean that's not that's not all right (laughs) you know we can't let that happen I mean not that I think that it would be naff to have your wedding there now or maybe not now, but, you know, only if it's still a working theatre. Otherwise, it's just a fake. And it is a lot of people's first introduction to actual theatre itself, not just Shakespeare, because it does have that £5, go and stand in the Globe, go and watch some incredible acting and great, great directing. We would lose that too. We would lose access to affordable theatre. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of another theatre, certainly not another theatre on that scale uh, with that kind of consistent quality where you can get a ticket for a fiver. I mean, that's insanely cheap, especially in London. You know, you can't, you definitely can't get a ticket for a fiver to any West End show. That's literally impossible. I mean, what would be the point? It's an incredible place in that respect. And I think they give about two million quids worth of free tickets to school kids every year. They get 139,000 students coming in. And a lot of those kids will not have been to the theatre before. It's a completely unique experience and one which has been proven, in fact, to inspire people Andre Holland, who is an actor who was in Moonlight, he appeared as Othello opposite Mark Rylance. Now, 20 years before, Andre Holland had come here and gone to the Globe and written a fan letter to Mark Rylance saying how amazing he thought it was. And then 20 years later, he was on the stage and it was an absolute dream for him. But there are lots and lots of actors who will say, actually, the first time I ever went to theatre, 
it was the globe and i fell in love with it i wonder if if the theater is saved i wonder if it will have problems getting people back in because of that unique selling point in fact of being able to stand in amongst the crowd get right up right up close to the actors are people going to want to go back into that situation where you are literally shoulder to shoulder with a lot of people watching a play well i suppose in a way i would be more concerned about theatres that only have seats i think all theatres are going to find this problem there is no viable economic way of selling only enough tickets for people to sit three seats apart you can't do that in a theatre. It won't work. It's not worth opening. It costs the globe, five, it would cost, to open the building for the public for a show would cost five million pounds simply to get the thing open. I mean, it, it costs an absolute arm and a leg to have a theatre in existence. And if you just can't sell that many tickets, then, you know, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, they're not in a unique position that way. And in a way, you know, at least if you're standing in the central area as a, as a groundling, at least you can stand apart from each other because there is actually quite a bit of space. Whereas when you're sitting down, it's not so easy, especially on those bloody awful benches, which are unbelievably uncomfortable. You can take a cushion, Nancy. Yes. <laughs> or hire one. <laughs> when it reopens, buy a seat at the back because you can do it. <laughs> Is there an argument for the culture sector, all of it, to, after this, get much more government support, much more government funding? I mean, I think so, but I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, I do think that it makes an enormous difference to the uh, health of the nation to have a healthy culture sector. Although I don't think it should be the responsibility of artists to help us to see our our way through things because of course they are part of us they are people as well and they need to find their own way through um, it is inevitable that the work that they make will be a way for us to find our um, to, to help us work through what madness we are actually going through at the moment I mean sometimes it feels quite normal sitting in my little flat um, looking out the window doing my work on my computer and it feels kind of okay but actually out there is complete madness and it, you know, the world is not going to be the same. And so art of every kind is in the future going to help us to work out how we feel about things, how we ought to feel about things, why it's okay to feel the ways that we feel about things. Um, and also it's going to encourage us, it, it, you know, it's good for the economy. What are you gonna do if you lose the culture sector? Nobody's gonna come here. You don't just go to London to go walk down Oxford Street or Bond Street and shop. I mean, hardly anybody does that. People come here for the National Gallery. They come here for the Globe. They come here for the National Theatre. They come here to see stuff and experience stuff. It needs to be allowed to be a large part of how this city recovers. Next. If we can allow people to get out and about more in this country, then why not allow people to come into this country without quarantine, where their R rate is even lower than ours? Conservative MP Hugh Merriman on his suggestion for air bridges between countries that could allow international holidays. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It may be a bit different, but the summer in the UK could at least have a familiar feel. The Environment Secretary's hinted that pubs could open in July with social distancing in place. And the Transport Secretary Grant Shapps has given his backing to so-called air bridges, which could allow travel between countries with low COVID-19 rates. That idea was first floated by Conservative MP Hugh Merriman, who's the chairman of the Commons Transport Select Committee. He's with me now over Zoom. Hugh, what is an air bridge? Well, an air bridge is an alternative for certain countries to quarantine. So if the reinfection rate, say, is below one uh, with a country, say Greece, uh, as it is with the UK, then rather than having a need to quarantine because the coronavirus is out of control in that country and you need people to quarantine for 14 days, you agree there's no need to quarantine because the risks in that country are low. So it allows us to avoid quarantine with certain countries and then to use quarantine where the infection rate is above one. So, you know, Brazil is a good example right now. So could this allow at least some international holidays for people in the UK? And I guess vice versa. Yes. So as long as, you know, for example, the Greek authorities are happy with our our rate, then yes, it would allow holidaymakers this summer to potentially go to Greece as long as the airlines are flying. And, you know, what it does, it adds an extra bit of confidence in the system. If people feel that it is safe, fly safe to go to that country then they'll start to sort of return to normal we may need other enhancements so testing at the airports is something that vienna are using ppe as well but we want to try and get people more confident and more willing to go back to normal Uh, but equally we also want to control travel in certain countries where really they're a bit further behind us in terms of controlling the coronavirus rates but does it make things safer? Because I would imagine the great fear for a lot of people would be that just one person could bring COVID-19 back into the UK or we could send it somewhere else. Where the R rate is below one, then that sort of standard means that the virus is being contained. So if you think that it's okay for us to ease the lockdown, take more risk, which is what's happening now in this country and will happen further as um, children go back to schools, then ask yourself why it's more risky for somebody uh, to return back to this country, it could be a UK citizen, from Greece, when their R rate is even lower than ours. So if we are being led by the science, if we are looking at everything on an evidence basis, then the idea of air bridges surely makes sense. If we can allow people to get out and about more in this country, then why not allow people to come into this country without quarantine where their R rate is even lower than ours. Do you think people are worried about going back on holiday again? I think people are worried. I think also the feeling is it's just too difficult. And if you add the layer of quarantine, I mean, who's going to go away for 
a week, two weeks in Greece, and then find that they're quarantined for two weeks when they come back to the UK. And the reason why this is important is not just to get people back to, to normal, but also we rely on passenger flights to bring in the commerce that we buy in our supermarkets, our shops. So 40% of everything that gets imported into the UK from outside of the European Union and Switzerland comes into Heathrow. And it largely comes in the belly of passenger airlines. So if those passenger airlines aren't flying, then we're not gonna get our goods and that means that the prices will go up. So it's not just the need to get people flying and taking their holidays, it's actually to get our commerce going and our imports and exports going as well, it's vital. You appear to have the backing of Grant Shapps for Airbridges. Now, I'd imagine there might be some international bureaucracy to get through, but how quickly could something like this get up and running? You're right, it does require international agreement. And also that's, in a way, a bigger issue because we in the UK have led the way when it comes to aviation safety. Now we're looking at a whole new concept, which is health safety. And it does require governments across the globe to actually come up with sensible solutions like air bridges, but also PPE requirements, testing at airports, because it's important for consumers to be confident where they're landing as well as they're taking off from. So something like the air bridges is relatively straightforward. WHO would be able to police it. If your R rate is below one, then no need to quarantine. That would be a good start. I did notice that George Eustace has hinted that pubs could be open in July. Is there a possibility, Hugh, that there might be something that we could recognise as a summer ahead of us? Well, I hope so, because you know my big concern is as we sort of ease lockdown, that it's going to be harder for government to actually get people out of lockdown than it has been to actually get people to lockdown. I think it's going to be an even greater challenge. We do have to accept that we will therefore be increasing the risk a little. It's important that government then reacts if, if the risk gets further away than is intended. But we've got to get the steps back. Not least, it's not good for people's health, their well-being, uh, their lack of employment opportunities. We've got to start weighing those up with the risks of the virus. Otherwise, we'll just get things out of proportion and uh, will make a whole host of other things worse. And that's the leader coronavirus daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.